Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. If you've watched this show for a while, you've made me, maybe heard me share that I have struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. But I am a Christian, so I say no to that behavior because 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says adulterers, idolaters, fornicators, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's huge for me. I don't want to go to hell for eternity. So by the grace of God, I, I walk the walk on this. So I am grieved that now, 10 years ago, 59% of Americans were against gay marriage. Today, 59% of Americans are for gay marriage. Here's the recent headline, and now we have 30 states in the United States because of judicial chicanery. 30 states have gay marriage now. The way being led by the President of the United States who says he's a Christian, the way being led by some of our liberal Protestant denominations, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the ELCA Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, and now the Disciples of Christ have all gone gay. You can be a practicing, impenitent homosexual and now pastors in these churches. The Lutheran ELCA Bishop of Chicago recently did a mass wedding for gay couples. I mean, when the church gets it wrong, how do we expect the society to get it right? Well, <clears throat> I was asked to speak at a church in southern Minnesota recently. I shared my story. If you want to see my story, uh, go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, and I've got my testimony of my struggle with same-sex attraction, pastorstudy.org. I've also got an article there called, What Does the Bible Teach on Homosexuality? And I list all the verses, pastorstudy.org. So this church in southern Minnesota, good church, biblical, Lutheran church, has me in, I tell my story. It went great, people were very appreciative. Then I got a message on my Facebook from a single mother who hated my message. And again, this, she's a member of the church, and it's a great church. But if you go to her web, website, her Facebook, she's a fan of Ellen and the Dalai Lama. And here's what she wrote to me. You know what I read on your website? Hate, angry, anti-gay hate. God created all of his children exactly as he intended. God does not make mistakes. If you or anyone is born gay, it is because that is how God created you. God is love. Never should any of us judge. We are all perfectly handmade children of God. Uh, perfectly? Uh, um, God is love. God is not hate. Uh, I wrote her back. The Bible teaches that homosexual behavior is sinful. Are we not as Christians to follow the Bible? 
the most loving thing we can do for someone practicing homosexual behavior is to humbly and lovingly encourage them to turn from that behavior and turn to Christ for forgiveness. To tell them that God made them this way and therefore they can engage in this behavior hurts them now and for eternity, 1 Corinthians 6. Homosexual behavior can take years off a person's life. I do not want to go to hell for eternity, 1 Corinthians 6. I am grateful for those people who were in my life who encouraged me to follow Jesus in this area. And then I had to say this. You accuse me of being judgmental? Your letter is one of the angriest I have ever received. I mean, the people that scream for tolerance and, and non-judgmentalism, man, can they be intolerant. Well, and it re reminded me, I spoke in a church in Florida on this issue. Angry grandma came, comes up afterwards. My grandson is a homosexual. And I think, so? Just because your grandson is doing this, are we supposed to trash the Bible? And I tried to make the point, if you love your grandson and you care about his eternal soul, you'll encourage him to repent. Well, today in some uh, opinions of some people, if you believe like I do, that the Bible is true on all issues, you're a hate-filled bigot. This leads to our story for today. I'm going to tell you the story of John Huss. And the, the point is going to be this. Are you willing to suffer and even die for Christ in the midst of this culture, which is now not Christian-friendly like once upon a time it was? Would you pray with me? Father, we pray for our dear nation, the United States of America, and now we are going 180 miles an hour in the wrong direction. God, we would pray that somehow you would turn our nation around, but how that, the toothpaste is now out of the tube, I don't know how that would happen, but Lord, if America is going to continue to go down the road to hell, help every Christian watching this show be willing to stand up, take heat, take uh, criticism, and to follow you. And speak to us now as we learn of, of John Huss. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of John Huss, or Jan Hus, as they called him, but in English, his name is John Huss. Please listen to this story. John Huss was born in 1372 in Bohemia, which is the modern-day Czech Republic. His family was poor, and John earned his living as a choir boy. Eventually, John became a professor at the University of Prague. As a young man, he led a merry life, feasting with his friends, playing chess, proud of his fine clothing. Then he got converted to Christ. He said this, quote, When the Lord gave me knowledge of the scriptures, I discarded from my foolish mind that kind of stupid fun-making. John became a priest, and a Catholic priest, and preached at a large church in Prague. He preached in the Czech language rather than in Latin, which means the poorest beggar could understand his sermons. He became so popular, the Queen Sophia made him her chaplain. During this time, Huss began to read the teachings of the Englishman John Wycliffe. Wycliffe ha had taught earlier that the Bible is the ultimate authority for the Christian not the Pope. John Huss began to preach against the immorality of his fellow Catholic priests. The Pope hears of this and John Huss is excommunicated, forbidden to preach. Huss ignored the Pope and kept preaching. In 
the archbishop imposed an interdict on the whole city of Prague, putting them under the discipline of the Catholic Church. But the king of Prague told the people, ignore the interdict, Huss, you can keep preaching. But then a political situation arose in 1411. The Pope asked all secular rulers of, of Europe to pick up the sword to fight his enemy, the King of Naples. The Pope promised that those who fought this war would, quote, receive the forgiveness of their sins, of which they were heartily contrite, end quote. The Pope also ordered a sale of indulgences, that is, you give money to the church and your dead relatives get out of purgatory quicker, uh, to raise money for this war. Huss became angry. He said, number one, the Pope should not take up arms against his enemies. He should pray for his enemies. And secondly, uh, indulgences, uh, paying indulgence money uh, is wrong. Well, this stepped on the toes not only of the Pope, but also on the toes of his king, because his king also made money from indulgence money. So now he lost the protection of his king. The king forbid anyone from speaking against indulgences. Three of Huss's followers did that and were beheaded. Huss fled from uh, Prague. He spent the next two years writing pamphlets. His beliefs spread, and the people of Bohemia love Huss. He taught, again, that Jesus, not the Pope, is the head of the church. He taught you don't have to obey the Pope in order to be saved. He taught that the Pope was a money grabber. And he taught that mere membership in the external church does not guarantee you're a part of the true invisible church. Huss questioned the existence of purgatory. Through his pamphlets, his doctrine spread. And the Pope decided, though, Huss must be stopped. He needs to be put on trial. A council was called to Constance, Germany, and the king of Germany said, Huss, we will give you safe passage to and from the trial. Even if you're found guilty at the trial, you can safely return home. At, against the advice of his friends, Huss traveled to Constance, Germany, and things were fine for a month, but after a month he was put in jail. For three weeks, uh, he, excuse me, for seven months he was put in jail, Poorly, poorly fed, night and day uh, chained, tortured by disease. He almost didn't live until the date of his trial. Finally, when the trial was appointed, the judges were his enemies that were appointed. But Huss wanted to publicly defend his beliefs. That's why he went there. He was not given that opportunity. Uh, and the, he, they said, you must recant. And he said, if you can prove me wrong from Scripture, I will gladly recant. The council condemned Huss as a heretic. Then came his last day. The crowd filled the cathedral, they celebrated mass, and then Huss was led into the cathedral. The bishop preached on the duty of destroying heretics. Huss loudly protested several times. Then the sentence was read, quote, the Holy Council, having God only before its eye, condemns John Huss to have been and to be a true, real, and open heretic, the disciple not of Christ, but of John Wycliffe. Again, Huss loudly uh, protested, saying, Even at this hour, I wish nothing other than to be convinced from Holy Scripture. Huss then fell to his knees and asked God to forgive his enemies. Huss was robed in his priestly garments and was asked to recant. Again, he said no. Then piece by piece of his garments were stripped off as curses were read. Then a paper hat was crushed on his head with pictures of the devil and the word heretic.
The authorities committed Huss's soul to the devil. Huss committed his soul to God. He was led outside the city, and he knelt down, spread out his hands, and prayed aloud. Some of the people asked, can he have a, a confessor in his final moments? The priest said, a heretic does not deserve a confessor. One last time he was asked, will you take back your teachings? Huss replied, in the truth of the gospel which I have written, taught, and preached, I will die today with gladness. They chained Huss to the stake. The fire was lit. He began to sing. Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me. Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me. Christ, you who were born of the Virgin Mary, and the wind blew the flame into his face, and he died of suffocation. The council announced to the crowd that God was pleased that they had killed the heretic. They gathered up his ashes and threw them into the Rhine River. And that was the end of Hus. But they didn't know that when they lit that fire under Hus, under Hus, that fire would reignite about 100 years later under a man named Martin Luther, and the teachings of Huss, Wycliffe, the teachings of the Bible would spread all over Europe and change world history. That is the story of Jan Hus, John Huss. What I want to do now is just share with you four lessons I get from that church history story for our personal lives. Here's what I learned from John Huss. Number one. There are more important things than having fun. I, uh, I like having fun. I took a personality test some time ago. Having fun ranks really high for me. I, and I thought, doesn't it for everybody? <laughs> but no, it, it doesn't. And nothing's wrong with having fun, but it's not our purpose in life. I, I will tell you this. I have had about five times in my life where I've woken up in the middle of the night, kind of just, it's shaking in my head, there really is an eternal hell. And, you know, I, nothing's wrong with having fun, but that's not our main purpose in life. Our main purpose in life, Christians, is to tell our family and friends that we need Jesus to be saved. And I, I've shared this many times, but I'll, I brought it again. I have this hanging on my wall. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I, I put this on my wall to remind myself, I'm not here just to have fun. I am here to share Christ with the lost. So are you. Second thing I learned from John Huss, be willing to be hated for Christ. Here's what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 10. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who is endured to the end who will be saved. You know, John Huss could have keep, kept his mouth shut about the sell, uh, sale of indulgences, purgatory, the money-grabbing pope. He could have been quiet about all that, but Huss was willing to be hated for the sake of Christ. I, 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 here's a Christian woman. She's the only Christian at her office. They don't like her because of her beliefs, but she says, I'm going to stay in this job because I think this is exactly where God wants me to be. America is changing. And it used to be, once upon a time, Christian values were valued in America. Now you're a hate-filled bigot if you believe abortion is wrong or homosexual behavior is wrong. Are you willing to...
to suffer here in America. Listen, in North Korea, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, parts of Egypt, other countries, Indonesia, Christians are dying. Their churches are being blown up by Muslim radicals. They're willing to take a stand for Christ. Are you willing, like John Huss, to suffer for his name? Third lesson I get from John Huss, the church can be wrong. When the church burned John Huss, it was wrong. When the church sold indulgences to raise money for the Pope's war, that was wrong. And, I mean, I, my dad was a Roman Catholic. When he was dying, somebody sent him some scapulars to wear. It's this, these pieces of cloth you put around your neck. And if you die wearing a scapular, you get less time in purgatory. <laughs> well, that's wrong. The Bible doesn't teach there is a purgatory. And the only way to get into heaven quicker is the blood of Christ, period. So the church can be wrong, and it's not just the Catholic Church that can be wrong. I, I, I'm in Minneapolis here. There's a large evangelical church here in the Twin Cities. The pastor there is now preaching, there is no eternal hell. If you go to that church's website, he has an article against, I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 25, eternal punishment is coming, not according to this pastor. And, and I will tell you the worst Protestant church I ever went to. It's a congregational church here in the Twin Cities. The transgendered pastor got up to speak. It's a woman who has a beard. I think she's taking hormones or something. And she gets up, and here is the prayer during the worship service. This is a congregational church. O Allah, Jehovah, Goddess, Unknown One, you have many names. And then the pastor of that church wrote an article for our a newspaper here in Minneapolis saying that Jesus is one way to heaven, but there are many ways to heaven. My point is this, be it Catholic or Protestant, the church can make errors. And here's something I hope you don't do. If you're watching this show and I say something that sounds kind of funny, I hope you do not say, well, Pastor Brock's been to seminary. He knows more than I do. Don't say that. I mean, when I hear, well, my pastor, he says homosexuality is okay, but he's been to seminary, so he really must. No, no, no. What you do is you, you say, I better check this one out for myself. You read your Bible, and what does the Bible say on these issues? And if the Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus is the only way to heaven, then the Bible's right, and that pastor at that congregational church is wrong. This leads to the last lesson that I want you to get from John Huss. Cherish your Bible. <laughs> Don't cherish the opinions of the liberal media. Don't ch cherish the, the opinions of your friends. Cherish the Bible. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for correction. Do you read your Bible? Let me read this to you. If I can find it. <laughs> Here we are. A brother associated with our work of smuggling Bibles into North Korea was arrested recently by secret police in China. There is a chance he will be sentenced to three to seven years in jail. While in the West, in America, we have an abundance of Bibles and take them for granted, believers in North Korea treasure every scrap of scripture because it is so rare. Here is the story of a man who used to work for the Chinese secret police, quote, 
I used to send many underground Christians to prison and throw their Bibles into the fire. Part of me always wondered why they considered the Bible more important than their lives. That night, I began reading the pieces of the Bible I had torn out. I could not stop reading. The more I read, the more I saw what a sinner I was and how God could save a sinner like me. <laughs> so, you know, here's a man. He's dying in the hospital. He says to his friend, will you read to me? His friend says, sure, what, would you, what book would you like me to read? And he said, there is only one book. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll close by saying this. If you're a Christian and you rarely read your Bible, I don't get that. I mean, do you know how privileged you are to own a complete Bible? Do you know how privileged you are to read? Back in the 13, 1400s, when Pahas was on earth, most people couldn't read, and there was maybe one complete Bible in all the city of Prague. It was chained to the pulpit in the cathedral. Do you know how privileged you are? You can read, and you've got your own version of the Bible. Read it! I mean, when, when at, right after the, the, the uh, Iron Curtain fell, I was privileged to go to Moscow, and in the public high school, I was able to hand out Bibles. And the students are taking them out of my hands. Afterward, this, this teacher says, can I have one? And I said, sure. And she took it and it was like, oh, listen, read your Bible. This is precious. And you've got to read it every day. This, this is the best gift I've ever received in my whole life. When I was 13 years old, Grandma and Grandpa Lowski gave me my Confirmation Bible. I started reading it every night. I still read my Bible every day. Take that Bible off the shelf. Start reading the Bible every day. Cherish the Bible like John Huss did. And, and, and I, I close with this. Here's a man whose aunt, in her will, leaves him her Bible. And he thinks, big deal. He puts it on the shelf goes through life, not a very wealthy man, kind of poor, but has not a good life. He's getting to be an old man. He thinks, okay, maybe I better prepare for eternity. Where's my aunt's Bible? He takes it down from the shelf, opens it up. Every other page had a $100 bill. <laughs> he was wealthy beyond belief, but he didn't know it because he never opened the Bible. I just got to encourage you. Here's what we learned from John Huss. Number one, there are more important things in life than having fun. Number two, are you willing to suffer for Christ? Number three, uh, the church can be wrong. But number four, cherish your Bible. Get it off the shelf. Put it next to your bed. Put it on your coffee table. But read your Bible daily. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you were talking about the lady that was at her job that was actually being persecuted mm -hmm. in that. Should she leave that job or should she stay there and continue? You know, I think you can only ask the Lord that question because sometimes it's okay to flee. Because Jesus said in, in, I think, Matthew, when they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. So it is okay if they're going to persecute us in America to move to Mexico. That's not a sin, but it might be a sin because maybe the Lord wants you to stay where you're at and suffer. So I think that one you just wrestle in prayer to try to discern the Lord's will. Okay, Pastor Brock, you said that... Um you should probably leave a church if it's teaching an error in that. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a person I know that says he loves our show, and he's tried going to other churches, and he just can't find one yeah. that he agrees with. So he thinks watching TV church mm -hmm. is a good thing. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? I got the, I got an email this week of a similar person. They like our show, but you know, Pastor, I can't find a church that I agree with, so I don't go to church. And and I wrote him back and I said, we're commanded, Hebrews ten twenty five. We're commanded to be in church. And I don't. There's there's probably not one church on earth that I agree on every single detail either. So what? Guy, find a good Bible believing church where you believe most of what they believe and go. And you know, you can't serve a TV set. Part of the reason we go to church is to serve the Lord. And so I want to encourage everybody, if you don't have a church, find a good Bible preaching church and go. Okay. Jesus told us that we would be hated for his sake, and you said that too. Is it okay for a Christian to pray that they won't be persecuted? <laughs> I do. <laughs> But, you know, here's what I pray, Jackie. I pray for the persecuted Christians once a week. I have this time on Monday normally. And I pray for God to keep them strong in their faith. May they not deny you. If they do, may they repent and you forgive them and take them back. But, I, and I do pray that the governments of the world would, would be arranged so that the church would uh, be freed from some of these radical persecutors. So I think it's okay to pray, but, but then I pray. But Lord, you said it's coming. Jesus said the church would be persecuted. So if it comes to me, Lord, help me be faithful. Okay, I guess that you kind of maybe answered my next question for you. Do you really think persecution is going to come to the churches in the United States? It's, it's started. It's nothing like it is in North Korea. But if you read the paper here in Minneapolis about a month ago, here's a Christian couple that owns a lodge and they want to... Uh, uh, and, and a gay couple wants to do a wedding thing there, and they said no, and they have to pay that couple $8,000 now in the state of Minnesota. So it's starting to come. You consider that persecution? S yep, financially it is, a okay. little bit. It's not like losing your head, but mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so we've talked about these other countries where Christians are being persecuted and actually killed. Is mm -hmm. there anything that we in the yeah. United States can do for them? Yeah, I, I just want to say if you've never gone to persecution.org, you want to go there. It's the International Christians Concerned website, persecution.org, or go to pastorstudy.org, and, and we talk about similar things sometimes on our TV shows. But just, uh, you want to go there and get their newsletter, persecution.org, pray for the Christians every month. Pastor Brock, we've only got like a minute left mm -hmm. here, but I guess... It, do you have any advice on how we should be reading our Bible mm -hmm. to strengthen us? Yeah. I just talked to a guy t uh, yesterday. Uh, get a good conservative, or uh, I shouldn't say conservative, get a good literal translation like the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version. I love the ESV Study Bible. Great study notes on the bottom of each page. So, you know, I, I, I don't like the Living Bible. It takes way too many liberties. Like, but ESV Study Bible, NASB Bible are good. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, and we want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.